You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Yeah, the mic is on. It's all working fine. Good to see you all this morning. Would you try, could try the good morning again? Good morning. Yes, it is a good morning. Any morning you come in to be with God's people, hear God's word and worship him is a good morning. Some of you will remember last week I was talking about, uh, about how I was, re- I was referring to Romans chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 45 about the potter and the clay. Many of you know the, the, uh, the metaphor in the Bible about the potter and the clay, about how God shapes us and changes us and how it is that God's work is going on in our lives and sometimes we don't like the way that he's made us and sometimes we don't like the way that he's worked in us and we don't like the way that we've been produced or the person that we are very often. And a lot of people are going around trying to change their lives and trying to change even their very selves because they don't like the way that they were made. I want to continue this morning with something along the lines of that idea. Just be led by the Lord. It's strange that Tom would share the verse that he shared halfway through because it's one of the keystone verses of this morning's message from Proverbs chapter 3. So we'll be looking at that in a second. What I want to talk to you about this morning is, and I hope this remote control is going to work. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. We should merely give thanks for that. A perfect plan. You see, I believe that God has a perfect plan for my life. Do you believe that God has a perfect plan for your life? Yes, amen. God has a perfect plan for your life. God is at work in your life and he's working out a perfect plan. And when we look at this idea of a perfect plan, it's very joyful on one level, but it's kind of threatening on another level. It can do two things. It can create great joy because we know that God's at work, but it can create a bit of anxiety because we don't want to miss God's plan. You see, if you've ever seen any of the Indiana Jones movies, anybody ever seen the Indiana Jones movies? Yeah, I was going to show a clip that was just too long. So in all of these Indiana Jones movies, there's always a moment when they have to approach and grab something or pick something up. And there's this moment when they have to step really carefully. In Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, there's a great scene where they arrive about to grab the little idol, the gold idol that's in front of him. And just as he's about to step in, he notices that there's patches on the ground. And if you put your foot on the patch, you get darted in the neck and you're dead. And that's how it works. And you can see the bodies of people who've already gone in and they've stood on the patches. And sometimes we can approach our lives a bit like that and say, what happens if we miss God's perfect plan for our lives? What happens if we misstep, make a mistake, fall back, fall over, fall down, whatever? Sometimes we can approach life like that. And instead of, instead of generating peace, It can actually generate a lot of anxiety. And sometimes even just wanting to know what is the best choice to make in life can create anxiety for us in the way that God never intended us to create anxiety. We're all asking questions. Should we go this way? Should we go that way? Should we go the other way? And we're never 100% sure, are we, which exactly is the way that we should go. Now, for years and years, I have told people, and by the way, good morning. You're probably still having your coffee, but if you're not, good morning, Cafe Church. Good to have you with us this morning. For many years, I've told people, and I've heard myself, that God has a perfect plan for your life. Now, if I make a perfect plan, my perfect plan involves doing things that I'm planning to do. So I plan that I'm going to go to a certain place, and I make the plans out to make sure that I get to that place at the right time. 
To me, a perfect plan is that we will know the perfect person to marry and the perfect job to get. That we'll know the perfect place to live and we'll know the perfect way to get to that place to live. And that at a certain time in your life, you're going to meet just the right person. You're going to meet the girl of your dreams if you're a man, or you're going to meet the woman of your dreams if you're a boy. That somewhere along the line, the exact right person is going to come into your life. How many of the, how many of the married people here would say amen? amen. <laughs> I can see we're on solid ground here. You see, that's how I think plans would work out. So when I have said to people in the past, God has a perfect plan for your life, that's the way that I figured that the plan was. That there's a plan that you're going to marry this person and you're going to live in this place and you're going to get that job and you're going to possibly do this ministry and you're going to maybe even buy this right car and show up at the right bus stop at just the right moment to meet the right guy who's going to open the door for a career for you. The problem, however, with that way of viewing God's perfect plan for your life and I think it's the way that, believe it or not, most of us do when we just think God's perfect plan. The problem with thinking that way is that there mustn't be just one perfect plan for our lives. But there must be an infinite number of renewable perfect plans for our lives. And the reason is because if you miss the bus, you miss the guy who was on the bus who was going to tell you where to get the perfect job. So we need plan 1.0. Does that make sense? And then when we actually got the bus into town, we actually got hit by the next bus that was going over. We ended up in hospital for six weeks. So we need plan 2.0. Are you with me? And so every time you miss a bus, fall down, break up with your girlfriend, break up with your boyfriend, move house, miss that last opportunity, come last in that interview, or get the job that was supposed to be the best job of your life and turned out to be a nightmare, we need to review this plan. But that's not the way that God's plan works in our lives. And you're now going, I'm not entirely sure what Michael's going to say next. You see, God's plan for our life is very different to the plans that we make for our lives. We have plans for our lives, and God has plans for our lives, and they're very, very often different. That is why the Lord speaks, and he says through Isaiah the prophet, he says this. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. He goes on to say this. He said, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So when we make an assumption, and I'm not saying we do this in any blithe way or any faith-lacking way, but when we make an assumption that God's plans and makes plans like we make plans, we're immediately wrong because that's not how he makes plans. But God does have a perfect plan for your life. Not only does he have a perfect plan for your life, he's actually revealed what the perfect plan for your life is. And in some ways, we don't necessarily get it the first time we glance at it. There's, by, there's, there's verses in the Bible that indicate to us that God is doing something different to maybe the way that we would do it. I don't know about you, but if I had had my way, I think I would have told God to do things very differently in my life. I think I had some pretty good plans lined up. I think the way that it was going to work out my way was going to be brilliant. I was going to be like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I had a good plan worked out, but God had other plans. There was something else going on. He had something else in mind for me. And yet still, he is at work and he's still bringing us to his desired destination. 
Look at what the book of Romans says. Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing to Christians, who have, some of whom had gone through very, some very fierce persecution. Let's take a look at this verse for a second. And when you see this verse, you will, so, something, oh, I just realized I never started my clock. That's okay, I'll go on for an hour and a half. It doesn't make a difference. Um, I, when you look at this verse, it's a very familiar verse, and it's a very, very comforting verse. Here's what, here's what this verse says. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Three people think that that's good news. I think this is fantastic news, personally, because it means that all the things that I can't necessarily make sense of in my life, God is able to make sense of them. Not only is he able to make sense of them, he's able to use them. There was a guy I used to be around with a few years ago. He was a guy who was involved with the church here for a little while. He was a decent bloke, but he didn't really accept the Christian faith. And we spent a lot of time with him, but he didn't really accept the Christian faith. And he was always saying this. He said, everything happens for a reason. Now, I don't believe that the Bible teaches that everything happens for a reason in the sense that every random event that happens in your life has happened for a reason. Oh, there was no toothpaste this morning when I went to brush my teeth, but everything happens for a reason. It's okay. God wants me to have dirty teeth today. That's not part of the everything happens for a reason. Oh, my friend, he was in a plane crash and he was killed. Oh, well, everything happens for a reason. There really isn't much comfort in saying that everything happens for a reason. But what does happen is that God takes everything and he works it to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose and what is that purpose because if we know what that purpose is then we kind of know what it is that God is doing and he's working out in our lives for instance if you talk about God's timing let me give an example do you think God's timing is perfect yes Dara believes it I believe that God's timing is absolutely perfect I really do I just don't happen to think that my timing God's timing are very often aligned you know what I'm saying I'm kind of still waiting for the bus and he's saying you should have gotten the train sometimes our timing and God's timing is misaligned let me give you two examples if you look at the Old Testament the children of Israel came out of Egypt and instead of going left and heading up for for Palestine up for the the promised land up for Canaan they took a right and went down to Sinai now they wandered around in the desert there for 40 years but when they eventually crossed the river and went into the land of Canaan they got there at just the right time would anyone say amen? amen that's what God was doing he took them he had something to do with them so he took them on this wander and they were going what are we wandering about for God said yes I'm doing something and you're kind of going I don't want to wander I don't know about you but I don't want to wander around in the desert for 40 years it's not much fun for instance, you take Joseph, who's much earlier in the story, back in the book of Genesis. Joseph is taken down to Egypt. Joseph is taken as a slave to Egypt. His brothers jump him. They beat him up. They sell him as a slave. He goes down to Egypt. He spends years in prison and in various situations. And then eventually, by remarkable turnaround of events, Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Did he come to the pos position of prime ministership at just the right time? Yes, he did. Despite all the ways that Joseph could have gotten into trouble and despite the buses that Joseph missed and despite the bricks that he didn't make and the people that he didn't get on with, God's timing was still worked out perfectly in his life and it will work out perfectly in your life. I really believe God will work out his timing perfectly in our life. He causes all things to work together for the good. And you see, and while we're familiar with that verse... We very often don't look at what the next verse says. You see, God is taking you somewhere. 
God is taking your, your life somewhere. Let me give you the, let me give you the, the clear biblical uh, position on it. One, God has destined you for salvation, that you would know Jesus Christ, that your sins would be forgiven, and that you would life, have life forever with God. Would anyone say amen? amen. That's, that, that's, that's, the, that's the start. I'm probably going the other way. I naturally do it the other way. And the end of it is that when Jesus returns, we will be taken up and translated. And, and it says, change in the twinkling of an eye. So the end of our lives will be that we will spend eternity in heaven with God and with his people. Would anyone say amen? So we know what the end bit is and we know what the start bit is. It's the bit in the middle that can cause us somewhat of an anxiety. It can cause somewhat of trouble and somewhat of confusion in the way that we understand it. Look at what the next verse to Romans chapter 28, 28 says this. He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? To the image of his son. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now the thing about this verse is this verse is one of the most controversial verses in the New Testament. Because some people take it to mean that God just predestines everything. He preordains everything to happen. And therefore everything that happens in our life is completely, we have no control over it. We have no choice in what happens in our lives. I do not believe that that is true. But I do know this, that God, it says here that those whom God foreknew, in other words, God knew all of us. Before we knew him. Amen? Amen. Not only that, it says that before we were even knit together in our mother's womb, God knew us. Amen? And he says this, he says, whoever God foreknew, he also predestined, what? To get on the bus and just get the right job and meet the perfect woman and have the perfect marriage and have the perfect life. That's not what it says. It says God predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, God does have an absolutely perfect destination for you. And that perfect destination is you being made more like Jesus. That's God's perfect destination. That's God's per- You see, when I became a Christian first, I thought it was all kind of hallelujah and glory bells and all this kind of stuff. And then as I'm sitting in these Christian meetings many, many years ago, back in the late 1980s, I'm sitting in these Christian meetings where there are some really hairy fellas sitting in these meetings and they're worshiping God. And they keep on talking about being made more like Jesus, you see. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm a very new Christian. Some, I have very little understanding of the Bible. And they're saying, you know, God wants to make us more like Jesus. And I'm sitting there going, does that mean like I have to have a beard and all that kind of stuff? I was beginning to, because when I looked around the room, there was a lot of people inside in that room had sandals like Jesus and had beards like Jesus. And I'm fairly certain, I don't mean no disrespect to you, but some of them probably smelled a bit like Jesus as well because they didn't wash that often. That's the truth of it. And you've got to go back to first century Palestine, if you know what I'm saying. So, and some of them even committed the ultimate fashion crime. They wore sandals and socks at the same time. Oh, it was awful. And I began to think, maybe these people are starting to look like Jesus already. Maybe that's what we're all going to end up being like Jesus. So that in the end, all of us will have beards and sandals. Even the women, would anyone say amen? We're all going to be like Jesus. But that's not, of course, my thinking was stupid and confused. But here's the thing. Here's the image that God presents to us. That he wants us to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son, that we would end up and be like Jesus. And to do that, that is God's perfect destination. It goes on to say those he predestined or planned their destiny in advance. Your destiny is planned in advance. Your destiny is planned in advance. And we don't think that's good news, do we? That's good news. 
Your destiny is planned in advance. And those he called, he also justified. Justified means made right with God or put into line with God. And those he justified, he also glorified. And we're talking about the middle bit here. Let, let, me, let, let, me, let me give you an example. Here is my phone. On my phone, I have a thing called Google Maps. God bless Google Maps is all I can say. Google Maps is the most wonderful invention of everything. Siri, you can talk to me all night and we can talk about Google Maps, okay? So my Google Maps... When I look it up, if I go into Google Maps and I say, I want to go to Dublin. Now, why would I want to go to Dublin? I can't imagine. It's just not a place you'd ever really want to go. But, you know, you have to visit the poor and the downtrodden sometimes. But anyway, so, oh, somewhere from Dublin here? Good. We'll move on. So if I open my Google Maps, I'm not going to bother opening it here now. But I open my Google Maps on Friday and I said, okay. I want to go to Dublin. Go to the Three Arena in Dublin. I want to go to a concert in Dublin. And Google Maps has this interesting thing. It never shows you one way to get to Dublin, to the Three Arena. Now, if the Three Arena is God's ultimate destiny for me, hallelujah, I want to go to the Three Arena. God is leading me to the Three Arena. But my Google Maps says that there's three ways to get to the Three Arena. There's not just one way. There are three ways to get to the Three Arena. Now, as it happens, one of them takes... Well, actually, I actually wrote down the time, so sad am I. One of them takes two minutes and 43 seconds. One minute... Sorry, two hours, two minutes. One takes two hours, 43 minutes. The other takes three minutes, 20, three hours, 23 minutes. And the last one takes three hours and 33 minutes. Now... Not many people would take the last one, but there are three different ways, one, and each one will get you there slightly slower than the other. Now, we all know the best way to the three arenas, the most direct route, the one that Google Maps shows you, that's the way to get there. But there are actually three ways to get there. And if God's destiny for me is to get me to the three arena, I don't think he bothers. I don't think he's that minded. He's not that wound up about the idea that I took the three hours and 33 minutes way instead. Because his ultimate destination is for me to get to the three arena. And I think it's the same when we look at his ultimate destination for us, which is to be transformed into the image and likeness of his son. Do you know what I'm saying? And so however he goes about it, there is a direct route, there's a really simple route that we can follow and God will make everything happen in our lives and it'll be all fantastic. And then there are other ways in our lives that are a lot more difficult. But the ultimate destination remains the same. Are you with me? Are you against me? You can be that too if you want to. Let's see. Thank you. Thank you, Dara. Dara's not against me. You're very good, Dara. Um, so there's many ways to... No, there's many ways to Christ. No, there's, I'm just saying there's many, there's many ways to get to God's ultimate destination. The question is, which one will we choose? Now, Joseph or somebody, whoever is down there, would you just click on the ProPresenter face for me, please? Thank you. Uh, just click on the top banner of ProPresenter. Click on the top banner. Perfect. That's grand. You can leave it. Sorry. That's just having a bit of a technical issue there. Here's what Paul writes... Just a little bit later, in Romans chapter 12, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he goes on to say that by testing, you will be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, what, it, it's really simple, really simple. He's saying, lads, do you see the way the world is doing things? Don't do it the way the world is doing things. It's that simple. If the world is voting yes, chances are the Christians should be voting no. It just, it's an example that's coming up. That's kind of fairly live at the moment. Chances are the Christians should probably be voting no. Don't do things the way the world, but be transformed. And when he's talking about transformed, he's talking about being shaped. He's talking about one thing becoming something else, but it's still in the same field or in the same genre. So he's talking about something being changed into something else. And he says, and by doing that, you'll be able to test. You do that by testing the, the will of God. Now, how do we know what the will of God for our lives is? 
Okay. Thank you very much for the man down at the back. Lads, are you, did you have your Baraka boost this morning? I had my Baraka boost, can you tell? Here's how you can test and know what the will of God is. 95% of the decisions that you make in your life, 95% of them are already decided for you if you want to follow the Lord. There's 95% of the things you do. If you look at your life, 90, and about 5% of them are decisions that you need guidance and real direction on. You need real direction on certain decisions that you make. But for most of them, the direction has already been given to you. As I quoted last Tuesday night, never say God is silent when your Bible is closed. If you say God is silent while your Bible is closed, you're not listening to what God has to say to your life and to my life. Where am I going with all this? Do you know what happens in our lives when God causes all things to work together for our good? There's a proverb in the, in, in the Old Testament that's really useful and actually makes sense when you think about it in the context of God being at work in your life. This is the proverb. It's from Proverbs, um, it's from Proverbs chapter 27. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You're going, what? What are you talking about? Here's the thing about it. If we believe that God causes all things to work together for the good, and if we believe that God's ultimate destination for us, which I hope we do, if, if, and if we believe that God's ultimate destination for us is to be conformed to the likeness of his son, then everything that happens in our lives can be God's shaping tool as part of your life. Even your frustrations and disappointments and your annoyances. The, the reference here is, a, is an Old Testament. I mean, it's a real kind of, it's real kind of um, Bronze Age reference. It's on the ironing, sharpening iron. That one person sharpens another. What that means is that one person has an effect. So if I have a conversation with Tom, for instance, let me give an example. If Tom and I have a conversation about, which we've had the odd one over the years, we have conversations about stuff. What you'll find in that conversation is that I'm going to change Tom a little bit and Tom's going to change me a little bit. And we're going to be slightly different as a result of that. Now, if I have an argument with my wife, because I'd never had an argument with Tom, but if I had an argument with my wife, say, for instance, her, our argument, believe it or not, what she has to say changes me a little bit. Normally makes me a little bit more humble, which is never any harm. But, uh, and what I say always makes her more arrogant and proud. You have no idea what I'm up against. But what I say and how, how I respond in that changes her a little bit. And we all are changing each other just a little bit. And that's part of God's plan. That means that the annoying neighbor who keeps the music on too loud after midnight is actually possibly, by God's grace, having a positive effect on you. Would anyone say amen? amen. Even though you want to go and choke him. Do you know that resisting the desire to choke him is good for you? Don't go and choke him, okay? Just, just for the record, I don't want you to go and choke him. We are being shaped. And so when we get to the big questions in life, the who, what, the when, the where, the why, the who, how, how do we make those decisions? Well, I think we can make them with a lot of anxiety if we want to. Lord, which is the woman that I should marry? Suggest the one you're attracted to, and that's a Christian. That's a fairly good deal. That's a pretty good bit of guidance. Go, 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 go with that. Go with that. I remember when I wanted to marry Elma. Uh, who left? I remember, poor I remember when I wanted to marry Elma, I just thought, she's too good for me. This is the truth. I thought, she's too good for me. God will obviously not want me to marry a woman of that quality and of that character. There must be somebody out there who is lame, blind, and in want who would want me. 
But, and I really felt it. And when I spoke to a Christian, he said, well, he said, let, let, let's, I went to a Christian pastor and said, look, I really want to ask her to marry me, but I don't want to step out of God's will. And he smiled benignly. Do you know the way they do? Kind of, yes. And he said, tell me, is the woman you want to marry? First of all, is it a woman? And I said, yes, it's a woman. <laughs> do you love her? Yes, I love her. Does she love you? Yes. He says, right, we're halfway there. Is she a Christian? I said, yep, she's a Christian. Do you think that you could make a life together? And does she believe the same? I said, yeah, we do. He says, then what are you doing waiting around for some magical sign in the sky? Go and marry the woman as soon as you can. And sometimes you just need to make this. You're very kind, Martin. You're on great farm as well. <laughs> and we went and we got married. And here we are, tw whatever number of years, 27, 28 years. This is 27 years this year. And I'm very happily married. But let's move on to the next slide. <laughs> My poor darling wife. So what do we do when we do face these questions? And here we come back to the very verse that Tom shared at the, in the middle just after the worship. This is what the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. So, let's have a quick look at this one for a second. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. What a great place to start, just like Tom shared a halfway. We need to trust God for our future. Would anyone say amen? amen. But it says, but don't lean on your own understanding, which is an interesting way of saying, don't be too clever. Don't think that you have it all figured out. Don't think that just because you can see the way forward means that that is the best way forward to you. Don't be wise in your own eyes and go, yeah, you know, I've got a plan here. It's all going to work out. Says, Don't lean just on that. Trust in the Lord as well and seek his will in all you do. So when you seek his will in all you do, does that mean that you're going to get guidance for every single decision? I have to tell you, the answer is probably no. You're not going to get a direct angel appear in your bedroom with a burning sword saying, you shall marry that woman. Oh. You're not, that's not going to happen for you. Almost certainly not going to happen for you. And very often when you come to a decision, sometimes a decision that we have to make, you know, what? there's not much in it. It's like, well, either way is a really good way. How do we make decisions between, between two good ways? Will we choose the way that seems best to us based on what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, discerning as best we can God's will and then following that and trusting God for the outcome. Amen. Amen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to work out just fine. Amen. Sometimes when we do follow God's will, when we do follow God's revealed will to us, and by the way, nobody, nobody, nobody in the Bible got the full script of God's plan for their lives, other than Jesus. Nobody got the full script. Whether they were, whether they were kings or prophets or apostles, Nobody, whether they were disciples, whether they were dependents, nobody got the whole picture of God's plan for their life. And neither will you. Let's close in prayer. That's your very funny form. Do you not trust me this morning? Am I saying something wrong this morning? Okay, okay. You kind of, kind of, um, I don't know about that now. Anyway. The thing about trusting in God with all your heart means that you will sometimes end up in places that aren't that pleasant. 
Sometimes a decision you make will take you to a place that isn't actually all that nice. And for the testimony of that, you just need to look through your Bible at any passage that you particularly wish anywhere in the New Testament, the Old Testament, and you will find people who followed God with all of their heart and they found themselves in a whole lot of hot soup and hot water and trouble time after time again. Following God is not a safe practice. You will not always be safe in the sense that we want to be safe. We'll be safe in the conscious knowledge that God is watching over our lives, but it won't be safe in the human sense always. Sometimes it will be quite unsafe. Look at Paul who said, you know, he's followed the Lord, he's run his race, but at the same time he managed to be shipwrecked twice. He was given 50 lashes dozens of times. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was chased, he was attacked by animals. He had the whole, he was lashed, he was persecuted, he went hungry and naked and he says and now here I am near the end of my race and God's plan has worked out in my life Uh, thanks Paul if you don't mind I'll take the more comfortable route if that's okay with you because following the Lord is not necessarily the safest thing to do it will sometimes cost you your friends I'm just telling you the complete truth it'll sometimes cost you people who you thought were your friends may not be your friends once you become a Christian once they hear that you're a Christian people who think you're fantastic may suddenly switch off. Sometimes we can feel like we've got an open door in our lives. Like, we, like I know a woman who was in a situation where she got, a, she, got, she got a job, she got a start in the job, and it looked like the job was really going to work out very well, and she was thrilled about it, and things were going really well for a while, and, and then after a while, she suddenly, and unbeknownst to herself, became a persona non grata in the place where she was working. And it turned out that somebody had discovered that she was a Christian. And when they discovered that she was a Christian, the person running the organizations didn't like Christians. And whatever about not liking kind of Christians, she really didn't like born-again Christians because she'd had a bad experience herself of some born-again Christian who didn't treat her very well. And so what seemed initially like a great opening and a great opportunity, the door slowly but surely closed and eventually she lost a job and it just didn't work out. But when I spoke to this person after, I said, you know what? I've learned so much from that experience. God was still in the middle of it all, shaping me, making me a different person, preparing me for the next thing that's coming. That's the kind of shaping with respect that all of us need in our lives. Because when every door opens, when everything we hope for comes to pass, it's not exactly, it doesn't always work out that happiness. Here's the truth of it. God's plans for your life are better than your dreams for your life. God's plans are better than your dreams. For Joseph to fulfill his dream, he had to go through a nightmare. That's what he had to go through for, to fulfill the dream that God had put into him. I love this line from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the book by C.S. Lewis, kid's book that he wrote. Many of you will be familiar with it. It's been made into a movie, and some of you probably have read it. But there's this great line in it where they discover that Aslan is a lion. And this, this happens. This is a little piece of the, the, the dialogue from it. It says, and, uh, Aslan is a lion, he said. The lion, he is the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he, is he quite safe? I mean, I love the English. I'd feel rather safe, rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Bieber. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And the Aslan in that story is Jesus. You see, following Jesus is not safe. He isn't tame. He isn't always as nice as we'd like him to be. But he is good. And he is good 
all the time. And when our plans and our dreams and our frustrations begin to spill over and don't seem to work out, God is still at work and he is still working out his good and, dare I say, perfect plan in your life. Paul writes this towards the end of his life. He says, I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. That's a familiar verse to most of us. We've heard this verse before. I am certain that God who began, so what God starts, he always finishes. And here Paul, a guy who was very near the end of his own race himself, sitting in a jail, waiting to be beheaded, knowing he's going to be executed for his faith very shortly, writes to these Philippian Christians and he says, lads, God is going to finish the work he started in you. Now here's a guy who knew all about the work of God. He knew all about the price of the work of God, but he also had trust and belief and hope and expected that God would fulfill his purpose in their lives. The same guy who wrote that those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be made into the image of his son. That is the perfect plan for your life, and that is the perfect plan that is going to be fulfilled in your life if you continue to trust in God. Here's what the psalmist writes, Psalm 138, he said this. He said, the Lord will work out his plans for my life, for you are faithful. So your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Your faithful love endures forever. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. How many people here believe that that's true? God will work out his plans for your life. For he is faithful. I love the way the psalmist finishes off this psalm. It's a kind of a sudden change in direction. And he says this. Don't abandon me. For you have made me. Don't abandon me Lord. For you have made me. The Lord doesn't abandon his children. He doesn't abandon the work of his hands. He fulfills his promises. Would anyone say amen other than Martina? That's what he is doing. And sometimes we have to bring our dreams and we have to bring our plans and we have to bring our vision even for our lives and say, Lord, I give you these. Give me your best plan for my life. Would you give me your best plan for my life? You see, I want to finish my race well. Does anybody here want to finish the race of faith well? I want to finish the, the race of faith well. But I know that the best way to finish the race of faith well is for God's plans to be fulfilled in my life and to let him have his way in my life. Would anyone say amen? amen. Will we stand and pray for a second? I want to finish with this last verse here. This is a verse from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, uh, the, the Lord is writing, uh, look, let the verse speak for itself. Here he writes, this is what the Lord says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your, satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
That's what he is going to do for you. And even when you think you're going to fail, those waters will not fail. We get the band up, guys? Those waters will not fail. God will make your bones strong, will give you the strength for the rest of the race that's ahead of you, will give you the strength to see his plans fulfilled in your life. We're going to sing the song that we started off this morning with, Lord, reign in me. We're going to sing that in a second. But before we do that, I'm just going to ask, let's close our eyes just for a second. If you're here this morning, you say, Lord, I've got my dreams. I've got my plans. I want to surrender my dreams and my plans into your hand and to know your best plans being fulfilled in my life. If you want to pray that prayer this morning, will you raise your hands? Give me your best plans, Lord. Give me your heart's desires. I give you my desires. Give me your desires, Lord Jesus. We're going to sing a verse of the song, Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power over. We're going to sing that song, and then we're going to pray in a second. Let's sing. Over all the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me Lord, reign again. In me. Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. He is shaping you. But are you willing to continue to be shaped? Are you willing to say, Lord, here's my plans. Here's my dreams. I hand them over to you. I want your best plan for my life, not my best plan for my life. If you want to pray that prayer, will you raise your hands? I'm going to invite you to come to the front. Let's pray briefly. Let's bring our lives before the Lord this morning. It's a good way to express the sincerity of our prayers and of our hearts. Because some of us don't. Some of us have a really good sense of what the future holds. And some of us don't have any sense of what the future holds. Some of us just don't know what's coming tomorrow. But I do know this, that when we surrender, we say, Lord, I want to give you over. Don't let my dreams become a nightmare. Would anyone say amen? amen. Lord, let your, let your plans come to pass in my life rather than just my dreams. That's the sincere prayer of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you know that thing that you're dreaming about, that thing that you're holding on to? I'm going to ask you, would you raise it before the Lord in your two hands this morning? The Lord knows where you're at this morning. He knows what's close, what's, what's firing up in your soul. The Lord say, the word, God's word says, He grants the desires of the hearts of those who fear Him and who delight themselves in Him. But delighting in Him changes our desires. And when we delight in Him and say, Lord, we want your best for our lives. We want you, what you want to bring into our lives, not necessarily the mess that we would make. That's the sincere prayer of a disciple. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we bring our lives before you, Lord. Our very lives themselves, Lord. Your word says, Psalm 139 says, before a word is even formed on my tongue, you know what it is. Before I get up in the morning, you're there. If I go to the, to the far side of the sea, you're there already. You're working your plan. You're working your purposes. I can't hide from your spirit, Lord. Lord, we bring our desires and our plans, Lord, whether they're plans for our careers, 
for our relationships, for our homes, for our ministries. Let's lift them up before the Lord. Whatever those plans and dreams are, Lord. Lord, we bring them before you and we ask you. Lord, would you supersede our dreams with your plans? Would anyone say amen? amen. Lord, would you change us? Lord, whether it's by the noisy neighbor next door, whether it's by the bad boss or the good boss, would anyone say amen? amen? Lord, would you change us? Would you make us more like your son, Jesus Christ? Because we know, Lord, that that is your perfect and outworking plan for our lives. We don't know all the details. Only you have all the details, Lord. Lord, we commit our lives. We submit our lives. We submit our plans into your hands, Lord. Bring your best to pass for us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, when we get to the end of our race, Lord, that we may be able to say that he who began a good work in me is bringing it to completion. And it hasn't always been safe, and it hasn't always been fun, but it has always been God's best at work in our lives. Lord, we commit and we submit ourselves into your hands. We commit our lives into your hands and ask you, Lord, Bring your best to pass for us in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can I invite us all? Would you all raise your hands? Let's close in prayer this morning before we sing this song out. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we go into the week that's to come, we commit our way into your hands, Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge God, seek his will, and he will direct your paths. Lord, we pray that this week you would direct our paths, Lord, by hook or by crook. Would anyone say amen? amen. Lord, we pray this week, Lord, that the doors that open in our lives will be your doors. Would anyone say amen? amen? We pray, Lord, this week that the doors that close in our lives will be your doors being closed. Would anyone say amen? We want your best, Lord. When we get up and lie down, come in and go out, Lord. Change our hearts change our desires make us more like you in every day and in every way in jesus name and god's people said amen. amen praise god god bless you brothers and sisters we're serving tea and coffee upstairs for the next while we'll see you again on tuesday night darrow will be speaking and the guys lord reign in me